Yeah. Money, money beats. Hats better in tragic. Yeah. Greetings once again, and welcome back to The Right Hash. We are delighted that you joined us once again for our fourth episode. I guess you could call it A New Hope, but A New Hope was actually the first episode of Star Wars that came out chronologically, I guess not sequentially in the series. That's beside the point. I'm Luke yeah, Carney. So this, this is Alex Phantom Thompson. Menace? Phantom Menace? I, I, it's going to be better than Phantom Menace, though, because didn't Phantom Menace just get, get horrible reviews? Yeah, but it's, it's still my favorite one. It's the first one I saw I in love the theater it, ever. Shout, uh, out, shout see, out to my dad. I still remember that day very vividly going to watch that in the theater. We had watched the uh, the trilogy the night before, and we went to see it on release day um, in Northgate Mall a- area um, in Durham. Still it, a, a great day. Yeah, my, my family is also full of Star Wars fans, and we, we did something similar. We went to this big double-decker theater in Washington, D.C. Uh, to see it. Uh, with my grandpa and grandma and my mom and dad and my brothers and it was a big family event and i still remember crying when liam neaton's character qui-gon jinn died and was cremated uh that was traumatizing to me but this episode will not be traumatizing this episode is going to be awesome as every episode is because (laughs) we are jam-packed with football talk we're going to talk a little bit of baseball the nba is back it's almost like it never left and yeah, man, we've we've got a lot to cover, Alex. Um, but first, before we do that, uh, we want to, as always, thank our friends at Slim Sweets. The mission of Slim Sweets is to produce top quality homemade bakery products in an environment that is safe, clean, and friendly for our community. Give Earl Sturdivant a call at 704-294-4957. That's 704-294-4957. And I still want people to try this Oreo bark, man. I, I really, really do. Yeah, we need Earl to let us know if anybody's reached out. I haven't had anybody on my side reach out to me to say that they've contacted Earl yet, but um, Earl, if you're listening, uh, let us know if you've actually had anyone reach out to you from the right hash. And if you guys want to reach out to us as well, we can also help you get in contact with Earl. Um, so yeah, we're definitely gr- glad to have him along. We are, we'd like to take care of him so he takes care of us. Um, I don't know if our stomachs and digestive systems are okay with that, but... I love sweets, and I know you do too. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he's financially stable enough to support me. <laughs> that sounds like an undertaking. <laughs> <laughs> well, without further ado, let's get right into the, our review of last week. And why not just start with the, the Georgia Bulldogs, man? Uh, Kentucky coming into Sanford Stadium, leaving bruised and battered. Um, that Georgia defense is playing on another level this year. Yeah, uh, Kentucky was just never able to find it on offense. Um, Will Levis' completion percentage was actually really good. I want to say he had a better completion percentage than Stetson Bennett through the first half, but it was like he was like 11 of 15 for 81 yards. Uh, It's just there's just no no room to operate against that Georgia defense, um, especially in Athens. Well, well, the the college football landscape is going to need Georgia to Georgia in order for anybody to have a chance at them, in my opinion, kind of, kind of similar to um, those, those pre Deshaun Watson Clemson teams where the only, the only way they were going to get stopped was if they stopped themselves, if they Clemsoned. Um, so I, I think that's the only thing that's possible here with this Georgia team is that they just Georgia themselves. Yeah. And they have a bye week along with Florida who they play in the cocktail party on October 30th. Uh, so we don't need to spend too much time on that because we'll sound like a broken record. Georgia beats the crap out of whoever they played. At least Kentucky got on the scoreboard, uh, unlike Arkansas. 
Yeah, I also just hate talking about Georgia. I hate I hate when Georgia's good, which unfortunately has been most of my life. Um, thankfully, they've not been good enough to get it over the top. But you know, I've got Georgia folks in my family, some who are probably listening to this very podcast. Um, so you're welcome. We've we've completely shed bias from this podcast, and we've we've talked about Georgia probably more than any other team in college football um, this year, maybe Oklahoma, but. Um, yeah, it's it's. I don't even know. I don't know if they can be beat this year. I just don't know if teams can score enough on them. Yeah, it's it's going to be tough, and we'll we'll stay in the SEC here talking about the last uh, the next game that we we talked about last week. Um, LSU, Florida, Cocho's yeah. last stand, man. How about big, it? Big, big pick for you. Big week for you. Honestly, you 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 nailed about everything that you called last week. Um, for the most part, at least on the college side. Um. I, it's not a game I got to watch. Uh, I was busy a little bit uh, in the early window on Saturday. And when I got to my computer, it was 42-42. And I, 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 I had to shut my phone down and restart it because I did not believe that that was the actual score of what was going on. I didn't believe either one of those teams would score 42 on the other, um, much less LSU having 42 points and then ultimately winding up with 49 points in the win. Um, I, I don't know if it has something to do with maybe they're just being a little bit of a, you know, kind of that pressure valve release when uh, LSU and Ed Orgeron announced that they're going to separate. I'm sure that that had been going on. That didn't really come out publicly until Monday, but um, they had been working on that for a couple of weeks. I'm sure players and folks on the program knew about that happening. Um, you just have to wonder if maybe that just took a little bit of the pressure off of those LSU players because they played so freely um, they they played like the LSU were used to. They played like they had some freaking pride. Yeah, and in case you did miss the news, in case you live under a rock or uh, you don't care about college football, you uh you you missed Ed Orgeron, and or I guess LSU announcing that Ed Orgeron will not return as head coach next year, so he gets paid some ungodly amount of money to not work, which sounds really awesome. Um, but I I did I did kind of say you already patted me on the back i'm gonna pat myself on the back too uh because i i did nail that pick and uh i i think you you also hit the nail on the head when you said that kind of helps lsu mentally kind of maybe put that behind them a little bit um and focus on beating a team that they really don't like in their own stadium yeah i mean th this is their cross division arrival this is the sec east team they play every year this is that team that they've developed hatred for you know, it's one of those games, it's one of the rare cross-divisional games that doesn't have, you know, a name, um, like third Saturday in October, you know, greatest, you know, the South Soldiers rivalry. It doesn't really have its spot just because Florida's a little bit newer to the SEC on the grand scheme of things, but the hatred is there. And you go back to the Tim Tebow days when, you know, Tebow was there, Jamarcus Russell's there. Those, those were just some absolute slobber knocker type games. Um, and it's not been until recently where the programs have they just they, they haven't quite been top five, top ten at the same time recently. This was probably the most interesting game between them in a couple of years, if if memory serves. Um Yeah, the shoe uh, game wasn't bad last year either. <laughs> that cer cer certainly was interesting, but it won't ever be remembered for as good of a game as it was because of that incident. <laughs> right, exactly. Um our other college game we picked. Oklahoma State and Texas, Okie State coming away with the win. I, I went two and zero in college. Uh, that that yeah. was pretty awesome. I don't think I've have I. I don't think I've gotten both picks right on each league that we we pick. So that was pretty cool. Um, we'll talk actually a little bit more about Oklahoma State. I want to save the Oklahoma State talk 
uh, because I know that we're going to talk about them a little bit later in this show. Um, but yep. to the NFL, uh, we both hit on the Steelers. That was not a good game, despite how close it was. I mean, when that game went to overtime, I was like, are you serious? I have to keep watching this game. Yeah, that that was one of those, and we we talked off uh you know off the air about this one. This was this is one of those games I just considered a secondary game. You know, th- thankfully we're in that season now where you know three or four sports are overlapping, so we had other stuff to watch as a, on the primary screen. You know, we had baseball, still some preseason basketball, um, hockey's coming back in. We might work some <laughs> hockey into the podcasts here uh, in, in the future, um, but had that one on, didn't have the sound on. It's amazing how much less interesting that Seahawks team is to watch when Russell Wilson's not playing. Um, even though they have some absolute studs at wide receiver, um, they're just they're just not the same team. They don't have the same life. They look lost. Um, so yeah, uh, overall, I'm really happy that game's over because, like you said, it felt like it would never end. Yeah, and I'm happy that we both got the pick right, and we both got the pick wrong on Monday Night Football because, man, I'm really impressed by what the Titans did. And I mean, I don't even have to say that I'm really impressed by what Derrick Henry did because I've been watching Derrick Henry for the last few years and that man is just on another level. I mean, I don't, it, it, there can't be a better running back in the NFL, can there? Uh, no, there, there, there is not. And we're, we're getting to the point where I, I can start. Uh, I've been a, a water carrier for Derrick Henry since he was at Alabama. He was down to Tennessee and Alabama in his high school recruiting. Obviously, he chose Alabama, but I've been following Derrick Henry since he was a junior in high school, and it has blown my mind how that guy has gone relatively under the radar his entire career. Guy was a a second-round draft pick for some reason, Um, Heisman Trophy winner at Alabama, just absolute tank, and I, I guess teams didn't think that he would fit the modern NFL, and to a degree, he doesn't, but... He's got a he's got a head coach that has this identity around this team that is ground and pound, control the clock, play good defense, and he fits it perfectly. Um, I saw a stat the other day. He is one of two running backs in the history of the league that uh, has back to back 100 yard, three touchdown games, and that was Ladanian Tomlinson's MVP career with the Chargers or uh, season with the Chargers. So, are are we on the horizon for a running back MVP? I for one think Derrick Henry is unquestionably the most valuable player in the NFL. Um, he is certainly the most irreplaceable. He, maybe you go Christian McCaffrey, he's he's up there too. But D- Derrick Henry doesn't have injury problems, doesn't have attitude problems. He's a great teammate. And uh, are arguably the, the 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 most physically insane running back we've ever had in this in, in, in this league. Yeah, and just so fun to watch. Um, unless you're like Josh Norman or another cornerback that gets stiff-armed by him. Uh, but before we move to our top five college teams, just Josh Allen, a what, is he six foot six? Couldn't get six inches to keep that game going. Yeah, it looked like his foot slipped. Um, I, I think if he has that traction with his right foot, um, he probably gets there. They, they made a little bit of a push for him, um, and he just had his foot slip. And, you know, that's just... That's just the worst time for that to happen. You know, it's going to happen sometimes. It's, you know, it's football. Something's bound to happen. But um, I I agree with the QB sneak there. A lot of folks like to do to the running back. But I I agree with the QB sneak there. Not like 
what Iowa was trying to do this weekend, where they ran a QB sneak on third and two, didn't get it, ran a QB sneak on fourth and one, and also didn't get it. That's a great way to lose your job as a head coach um, and a great way to lose a game as the number two uh, team in the country. But we're not talking about that. I just thought I'd throw that in there because uh, sometimes QB sneaks are really dumb. And third and two is a really dumb time to run a QB sneak. Remember that meme? It's like, or I guess it wasn't a meme. It was like a, a, a gif. Like, you are dumb. You are really, really dumb. For real. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, you, exactly. Kirk Ferentz. That's that, you. That, that is you, Kirk Ferentz. Um, <laughs> I, I was texting you live about that, and I just I just could not believe what I was watching in modern yeah. NFL or modern yeah, we're, college football. We're, worth noting that uh, the Titans play on a grass field, unlike a lot of teams in the NFL, because there's also an MLS team that plays at that stadium. Uh, so that that could have been uh, one of the reasons why Josh Allen lost his footing. But that's that's our kind of our recap of last week. Now we're going to move on to this week, and this being our fourth episode, we have done two top five NFL te- or NFL teams. We've done one college top five. So back to college top five to even things out here as we alternate those uh, those rankings and. Well, we already talked about Georgia. We don't really need to uh, go back over them. I am on board with Cincinnati now at number two. I know you've been uh, singing the praises for the Bearcats all season. Um, You know, they've they've shown me and other teams have not shown me that they belong there. Cincinnati, I think until somebody knocks them off, obviously belongs at number two behind Georgia. I imagine if we got a rematch of of last year's Peach Bowl, which came down to a, a last second field goal. Yeah, the, the the hot rod having to bring that in for them uh, last year. Um, yeah, I, so j- just to go down my list, my my top two, like you said, were the same: Georgia, Cincy. I've got, um, I've got Oklahoma. I've got your Oklahoma Sooners at three. You've you, you disagree with me here at three. And it's funny because I've been the Oklahoma guy this year, and and, and I have Alabama at three. I was impressed by how they bounced back at Mississippi State, uh, making that the 90-mile drive, as they call it, um, the closest, the two closest SEC schools. Um, yeah, there's a lot of crimson in that stadium mixed in with the maroon, uh, and Alabama just beat Mississippi State like a drum. And uh, the reason I have Alabama ahead of Oklahoma at three um, is not because I think Oklahoma's a bad team. It's just because I think if they played each other, Alabama would win the game. Um, and that's not to say Oklahoma hasn't really impressed me with Caleb Williams uh, stepping in for Spencer Rattler. I just, you know, I was looking at the rankings and fortunately we're going to get the, the playoff rankings coming up soon. So we'll have that to talk about. But, you know, until that happens, you know, we're kind of on our own for uh, for formulating who, who's where. And I just I really just I kind of went that philosophy with who would win if they played each other. And I, I just think Alabama would win the game. Yeah, it's it, it's fair to say um my, my my biggest knock, and you guys can go back and listen to the first podcast, second podcast, where I talk about Oklahoma. My biggest issue with them has always has been this year, Spencer Rattler. I did not think he was a, a, a championship level quarterback. I don't even think he's a middle of the pack level quarterback. Um, it, he's he's already deleted Oklahoma off of a bunch of his social medias. Looks like that guy's going to wind up in the transfer portal here shortly. Um, I, I I don't. I he's way too self involved. And you can see, go back to that Texas game where they're down big. They put Caleb Williams in. They storm all the way back and win the Red River rivalry. Um, and that momentum has carried. That There's a breath of fresh air that's been breathed into this Oklahoma offense. Um, that That's why I'm back to a believer again. You don't have to sell me on Lincoln Riley. You don't have to sell me on the receiving weapons they have there. Um, they, they've got great running back options. I really like their defense. 
the biggest problem I had is I didn't think they had a championship level quarterback. Like, you know, I, I think Georgia has two. I think Stetson Bennett can can be a championship level quarterback, kind of akin to the AJ McCarron, Aaron Murray type Bama quarterbacks we've seen. Um, I think Des Ritter at since he's a championship level quarterback. I think Bryce Young at Alabama is. So that that that's been my criteria for keeping a team in the top five. If you don't have that championship level quarterback, you don't belong in the top five because that's what's going to win. That's that's what's going to set you apart from these other top five teams. And Oklahoma has that now. Yeah, they do. And I I I am not a Spencer Rattler fan. I think his attitude is just horseshit. Pardon my yeah. French. Um, you know, you see guys face adversity. You see guys work through it. Then you see him, you know, kind of just running off when things get bad. And I, I'm not going to get into that. This isn't the hot box yet. Um, so he's got a bit of just, a Tate Mart. He reminds me a little bit of Tate Martell, where his yeah. brain won't let his body do the work. Yeah. So I'll just kind of leave it at that uh, for now. So I've given my top four. I think you've gotten your three. So who do you have at number four? So uh, our three and four just switched. I've got OU, oh, that's Bama. Right, that's right. Um, you've got Bama, OU. And then at five, uh, it, it, th- this is su- going to be a surprise number five because of uh, a, a certain pick I'm going to make later. But I've got Oklahoma State at five. I think, they're, I think they're not getting their due, and I'm someone who was not giving them their due going into this week. Um, a huge, a huge win at Texas. Um, they were without their top two running backs, still ran for three touchdowns on Texas. This team has a lot of heart, a lot of grit. Um, and in, in college, that almost me- that means more than talent a lot of the time. Um, and w- when you have grit and heart that is talented, like Oklahoma State, I think these guys are flying massively under the radar for what they've done this year. I cannot wait um, to see them play. I, I believe they-, they should play Oklahoma this year. Um, I cannot wait for that matchup. I'm, I'm pulling up the schedule now because I actually I don't know for certain that they do the play the best year. rivalry game name Bedlam, dude. That's it. It just sums yeah. it up so perfectly. Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, is that you confirming they do play this year? I'm just pulling up the schedule. I'm assuming I, I actually don't have their schedule in front of me because I have the schedule for my number five team. Um. But okay, let, let's check that real quick. Yes. Oh man. I was gonna say Holy that it would be so weird. Luke. Luke. It'd be so weird it if they did the last. It is the last game of the season. Yep. Okay, that's what I thought. Usually. It is the last game of the season. So we've got Oklahoma State, who's got Kansas, Texas Tech, Baylor, and Iowa State um, coming up to this point. And, uh, no, sorry, that's Oklahoma's schedule. Then they play Oklahoma State at the end. Oklahoma State has, um, I I believe they have Iowa State this weekend. Um, And it's going to be really interesting because we could have yeah, they, they, they've got West Virginia, TCU, uh, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma the rest of the way. So it's going to be really interesting to see if both of those teams make it to the end undefeated. That That's going to be a crazy game, Luke. Oh, I know. And I, I actually, that's one of those rivalry games that I try to make it a point to watch every year. I've, I've actually got a, got a, some family in Tulsa. They, they come down on the OU side. Um, so I don't really have a rooting interest just – um, but it is a really fun game to watch. That game is going to be in Stillwater this year, um, which uh, is not quite as fun of an atmosphere as Norman is, in my opinion. But that's like saying, like, Oreo Bark is not quite as good as Cheesecake Tacos. Like, Oreo Bark is still pretty good. Yeah, I'll take both. 
Yeah, no, no doubt about it. So I, I actually I like that number five. They're not in my top five, but like I, I like that we kind of went off the beaten path there. I'm also going off the beaten path as far as this season goes, uh, bringing in a, a team that hasn't been in our t- any of our top fives yet. Say hello to the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, they are ranked number six right now, but they're undefeated. Uh, they have, are coming off a of bye week and have Northwestern coming to the big house ahead of October 30th's matchup at Spartan Stadium against number nine, Michigan State, which we were just talking about, Bedlam. This is going to be another top 10 game in all likelihood um, between two teams that really don't like each other. Uh, but I saw Michigan battle through that adversity at Nebraska, and I, it was thinking to me, to myself, I was like, would a lesser team be able to pull that one out on the road? And to me, the answer was no playing in that atmosphere with like 80,000 people wearing red, um, throwing those balloons up in Nebraska. And um, I know Scott Frost Club has been down uh, the last few years, but I, I was really impressed with Michigan. They've been kind of quiet this year. Um, they've got wins over Western Michigan, who is actually quite good out of the MAC. Uh, home win against Washington, uh, Northern Illinois, who went and beat Georgia Tech on the road, so they're no slouch. Uh, Michigan hammered them pretty good. Um, you know, I can't really point to one reason why I think Michigan is like one of the top five teams in the country, other than the fact that they have a zero in the loss column. Um, but reason. this is this is a team that, you know, assuming they can get by Michigan State, um, you know, they've got and that's a, that I'm not going to assume that at all. That, that was kind of a poor choice of words. But if they do get past Michigan State, um, they're still going to have two top 10 opponents on the schedule. One of them's on the road at Penn State. The other is home against, of course, the Buckeyes in the last week of the season. Um, but. Right now, I mean, I, there are very few teams, really only, I would say, four teams playing better football than Michigan right now. Yeah, I've, I've got, I have Michigan at six, same as the AP voters. Um, it, it's hard for me to put any of the, the Big Ten teams here, so just for everyone out there, there are four Big Ten teams in the top ten, and uh, if you stretch that to 11, that's where Iowa's fallen to. Um, you got five Big Ten teams in the top 11. Something's got to give there eventually. Um, I, I don't know who's going to shake out of it. I just know that there's, you know, one, one of those teams is probably fake. I've seen Penn State. Penn State might be on the losing end just because of not having their starting quarterback. Um, M- Michigan, I just, uh, I, I'm, I'm not, sh- I'm not sure. Um, I, I haven't seen enough positive for me to put them in my top five yet, but to your point, they're undefeated. and that goes a long way halfway through the season. Of course, UTSA is undefeated too, and they're not in our top five. So, so is Mi- not, so not, is Michigan not the State. be all end, not the be all end all, but yeah, I like so, what I've seen from from Jim Harbaugh's group. I mean, you, you, you're picking from a lot of good teams there. I think they're all good teams. It's just a matter of all right, now we're this far. Which of the Big Ten teams is for real, and which of them are just kind of the 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 B tier filler teams up there that haven't played anybody yet because none of them have played each other that's why they're all undefeated um except for you know like i said penn state yeah and we're, we're getting into that time of the year you know late october november you wake up in the morning and you smell that crisp in the air you know it's cold it's cloudy and you just get anticipated you, you start anticipating those like you called them slobber knockers those hard-hitting low-scoring football games in the big 10 and this is where it's going to be really going to be judgment day uh, or, you know, judgment several weeks for Michigan, Michigan State, Iowa. You can't completely count those guys out yet, even though they, they fell to Purdue uh, pretty poorly. Um, and, of, of course, uh, Penn State in the top ten as well. So a deep, deep Big Ten conference. Yeah, it's 
that there's going to be a lot of uh, uh, big noon kickoffs the rest of the way. There's going to be some slobber knockers. Uh, I think that's the word of the uh, the podcast today: is slobber knocker. <laughs> um, that, that's just Big Ten football right now. It's very defensive. Um, I, I I can't wait for that. Uh, for the Ohio State Michigan game towards the end, if they're both undefeated, we haven't really had a high stakes Ohio State Michigan game in quite a few years. So yeah, was it? It'd be maybe, great. Was it maybe two thousand? Was two thousand six? Maybe the last time it really meant anything on a national scale. Or am I, am I forgetting? Am I forgetting some games? Oh, it was a forty-two yeah. to yeah, the forty-two to thirty-nine game at the Horseshoe when uh, when uh, it was one versus two, and the winner went to the national championship game. Yeah, and we just haven't had a we haven't had one that's meant anything because Ohio State has outclassed Michigan for the better part of a decade. Um, so, you know, hopefully they they both do meet. You know, Ohio State's already got the loss, but by that time of the year, if they're undefeated, folks are going to have forgotten about it because it was good to, to a, a good Oregon team, um, and all will be forgotten if they beat Michigan towards the end of the year. So, um, you know, if Michigan can win out they're going to have a killer resume and they're going to be playing for a playoff spot easily. Yeah. And by the way, the Ohio state Michigan game this year is at the big house. So Michigan at least has that going for them. Yeah. I, I always enjoy seeing the pettiness in that rivalry. That's one of my favorite rival rivalries in college sports because of just how, how petty it is, you know, crossing yeah. out the M's on the, yeah, right. it's, it's, it's such, it's such a great, homage to just what traditional pure football rivalry is yeah no doubt about it and uh those are our top five college teams i i kind of i like that balance we had you know we had you know we had a kind of a consensus at the top but then we had some some good dissension down near the bottom and i think that makes for a really great conversation which is why we do this show and that's what rankings are for ultimately because you know they really don't matter until the last week or two of the year so and do you know when the cf first cfp rankings come out is it next uh, week I, or the week after? I don't know the date. I was thinking it usually comes out after week eight, whatever they deem as week eight. Um, after that week is played, normally they release it um, right there. It's like the two thirds way through the season. Yeah, so that I, I just I, this is like I was saying a few minutes ago. This is just this is the best part of football season. I I just I really love it, man. I really and, love and, it. And, and to to go back to my hot box from last week, it feels like it's gonna be an absolute dead heater all the way down across pretty much all the conferences, you know, Alabama with that one loss really does make it interesting in the, in the West. And, you know, Georgia, they're a loss to Florida and a slip up somewhere from not even making it into the, you know, the championship game. So, you know, season's only half over. That means, you know, half, half of your risk is gone, but you still got to make it through. At, at, you know, playing very, very good teams. This all all conference pretty much down the stretch. Some teams will have a cupcake sprinkled in here, but um, all conference games down the stretch. It's it should make for a great a great finish to this football season. Yeah, now we uh, we move away from our uh, top five rankings. We'll get to our picks in just a few minutes, but we talk a lot about offense on this show. We talk a lot about putting points on the board. Who our favorite offense players are. And why not? Because that's where a lot of the excitement in football comes from. But I want to take just just like five minutes here and talk about some of the best defenses in the NFL this year. I mean, Aaron Donald is doing his thing with the Los Angeles Rams. That dude is like one of the freakiest dudes I've ever seen play football. Like You could take a whole offensive line and try to block him and he'd still get through. 
it's just like amazing what he does on the field. Uh, the LA Rams, you know, we were talking about this off air too. I think it's kind of them and everybody else when it comes to defenses in the NFL. Uh, but one team, I, one team I want to shout out is one of their uh, NFC West mates, uh, the Arizona Cardinals, who are undefeated right now. Um, if we did, uh, if we did um, NFL rankings this week, it would be uh, probably have them at number one. But in any case, five sacks against a Cleveland team that has a really good offensive line. And granted, Nick, Nick Chubb didn't play in the game. Uh, so Cleveland couldn't quite lean on the uh, running game as heavily as they want to. Um, but you talk a lot about Cliff Kingsbury and the offense, but that Arizona defense is quietly doing a lot of good things. I mean, Chandler Jones, uh, one of the scariest pass rushers in the NFL as well. Yeah, I think they, I think they picked up some guy, some, some of you may have heard of as well. His name is J.J. Watt. Um, they that, also, that guy? Yeah, I never heard of so, him. You might have heard of his brother TJ or Chris. Um, people might not Derek, have heard of JJ. Derek, 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 Derek. Okay, I I know a Chris Watt, so that's that's what. <laughs> um, which you know, you guys might know Chris Watt before JJ Watt. I don't think he's very big in the NFL, but he's having a tr- a tremendous year. Um, you know, all all jokes aside, they they go out and make that that splash pickup of JJ Watt. Um, you know, he had a couple of injury stricken seasons after, you know, really breaking onto the scene as, you know, the, the, the top defensive end really in football. Um, yeah, they're, I, I, I don't, I don't know how to turn Saxonville into the, the, the Cardinals. I don't know how to do that with their name, but that's what they're turning into. It's just sacks on sacks on sacks out there. Sack city. Um, it, a really fun defense to watch. Uh, Chandler Jones, as you said, I think he had five and a half sacks in the first game of the year. They're just absolutely running over people. Um, and it, it really, it's helping out that offense. That offense likes to score a lot. So if you can have a good defense, you could put teams away very, very quickly in the NFL. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, the Cardinals, guess who they play next? JJ Watts, old team, the Houston Texans. I believe the game is in Arizona and the opening line for that game. This is almost unheard of for an NFL game. 18-point favorites are the Cardinals against the Texans. That was as of a couple days ago. I don't know if the line shifted at all, but, man, the Cardinals being an 18-point favorite against anybody? Like, if you had told me that when I was a kid, that it would ever happen in my lifetime, I'd have laughed you out of my house. I mean, you, you, you have a revenge game for arguably, arguably the two best players on Arizona in J.J. Watt and DeAndre Hopkins playing against their old team, which, you know, Neither one of them had the most cordial of goodbyes. I don't think JJ's was as uh, uh, messy, maybe as DeAndre Hopkins was, but um, you know, but both both of those players definitely going to have something to prove um, going up against their their old squad. So a lot of guys that they know are still there on that team. Um, that that's a huge line, like you said, for the NFL. So we'll we'll see we'll see what Arizona does. Um, that they've got to fall at some point. I I don't definitely don't think it's going to be against Houston, but hopefully they can just you know keep even keel, not get too emotional about that game, and just beat them the way they're supposed to beat them. And one more guy I want to talk about uh, before we get to our picks, and I, it pains me to praise a man who wears the star on his helmet, but Trayvon Diggs has just been outstanding this season, and he took his lumps uh, for Dallas last year in kind of that lost season. Uh, with Dak Prescott getting hurt. And I remember Terry McLaurin just eating his lunch not once but twice um, in both matchups uh, with Washington last year. Um, But he's got seven interceptions to match his uh, uniform number. Um, 
what are we, seven games into the season, actually six games into the season for Dallas. Uh, the Cowboys have a bye week uh, this Sunday. Um, but, I mean, Defensive Player of the Year, if the award was given out today, which it is not, uh, would probably be unanimous. Yeah, I, I would I would vote for, for Trayvon right now for D- Defensive Player of the Year. Um, we don't know how that's going to shake out. You know, they're... It, he's had an interception in every game this year. That's that's really that's really 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 hard really hard to do. Um, j- just to get one interception, let alone one in every game for an entire season, which he's on pace to do right now. He scored two touchdowns. He forces fumbles. Um, pl- and I mean, he, he plays really good coverage too. Like he's not just selling out for interceptions. This guy is is playing good coverage um, on on good receivers. And he got hung out to dry on kind of a bad defense last year as a rookie. Um, so it it like you said, we're not Cowboys fans. Luke's definitely not a Cowboys fan. I dislike the Cowboys heavily, but um, we'd be remiss not to a- acknowledge a player when they're playing great. And Trayvon Diggs is playing so well, you can't ignore it, even if you hate the hate the Cowboys. Yeah, I mean, we are we are football fans first and foremost. Yes, yes. You, 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 you can at least acknowledge when someone plays well. As much as I hated when Tom Brady is beating Peyton Manning for the 18th time, you know, you, you have to acknowledge Tom Brady's that dude. Um, even though you hate him, even though he's on the Patriots, you, you, have, to, you have to admit it. Um, I, I, I have a, a defense I'd like to talk about real quick just from this season um, because – their offense gets a lot of the credit for how they've played the beginning of this year, but I don't think folks are giving the defense the props necessary, and that's the Oakland Raiders. Um, uh, sorry, uh, who? The the Oakland the Oakland Raiders. <laughs> I I don't think they. I mean, they've got rookies, but all these guys are in Oakland. Uh, this is for the Las Ve- Las Vegas Raiders. Um, that that they've they've bandaged. A, a bunch of guys together. They've got a lot of young players. Uh, Max Crosby's playing out of his mind this year. Um, you got Yannick Ngakwe on that team. Uh, Quentin Jefferson, Solomon Thomas uh, clogging up the middle. Cleveland Farrell. Uh, they they just have a Casey Hayward is over there now. Got Jonathan Abram in the safety uh, position. It, it, it's just such a ragtag band of players on defense that you look at it on paper and you go how how. How are they having success? Well, they they play in that you know kind of high powered AFC West uh, uh, division, and they have not given up more than uh, twenty nine points. They have not given up thirty points in a game this year. And in the modern NFL, if you're able to hold teams to four touchdowns or less, you are going to give your team a chance to win every single night. And that that's that's what that Raiders defense has done. Um, out of nowhere, that like I said, there there are no big. There's not a lot of big money on that defense necessarily. Um, uh, they've drafted very well. They've developed it very well, and they've allowed these players to gel to this system to where this offense is honestly doing about what it did last year, if not a little bit less. Aguilar was every bit, if not more, um, productive than Henry Ruggs this year. Darren Waller was doing about the same last year as he is this year. Same can be said for Josh Jacobs. The big difference and the reason the Raiders look different is because their defense is keeping them in these games. And I don't think they're getting enough credit. Um, Jonathan Abrams is one of the shining uh, safety prospects in this league. Um, But between him and Derwin James in the AFC West, 
it's it's if you like defensive football and secondary in particular, those are two guys you should be watching every single day that they're on because they're they're fantastic at what they do. They're very young, and that they're they're going to be the next generation of great safeties in my opinion. So, uh, big shout out to the Raiders defense for what they've done this year to their whole staff and um, just the job that they've done with relatively little to work with on that side of the ball. Yeah, I I didn't I admittedly I didn't really know the name Max Crosby until. Uh, about week three when I watched the game against uh, the Dolphins. And he was he was in the backfield, like, every play. Yeah. Like, every play. And even if he that, wasn't getting a sack, he was throwing off the timing. You know, he was dropping running backs for for no gain. You know, just, just that kind of player who uh, just upsets the apple cart, so to speak. You know, knocks the offense off their rhythm. Yeah, so that's... That's my defense to talk about. I, I mentioned the the I've mentioned Derwin James in several episodes of this podcast, but he he's probably my favorite young defensive player. When I say young, I mean you know two or three years in the league. Um, he's just so versatile. Plays five positions on defense. He's that he's that kind of safety nickel star position. You know whatever you call it in your defense. Um, he plays everything. He's the quarterback of that defense. You, you would typically leave that to a middle linebacker, but he's calling it from the secondary. Um, Derwin James is just so, so, so fun to watch. If you like, if you like to watch that type of thing, some people just like to watch offense and, you know, to each their own. But if you like to watch defense and you like to watch, um, you know, that, that end zone cam that the NFL likes to use sometimes, that sky cam where you have the back and you're looking down the field, that's the best way to watch Derwin James. Just watch what he does, watch how he watches the quarterback, watch how he watches the play unfold, and diagnose everything. And that guy is in the right place 99 times out of 100. And he's so yeah. young. And just for the record, I like to watch defense. So I'm not one of those people. I'm not one of those people who wants to see 40s and 50s every game. I, I'm cool with a 20 to 17 game on occasion. Yeah, 13 to yeah, 13 to 10. Stuff like that. I like my variety. Sometimes a defensive game is, is, is good to watch. And that brings us in to our signature segment, I think I, w- I would call it. Our Slim Sweets Indies of the Week, where we pick games, two in college, two in the pros. And this is, this is kind of where we like to shine. We can kind of prognosticate a little bit and try to show off our knowledge. And it's brought to you by Slim Sweets. Give Earl a call at 704-294-4957. The mission of Slim Sweets is to produce top quality homemade bakery products in an environment that is safe, clean, and friendly for our community. And once again, Earl Earl's number 704-294-4957. The Oreo Bark is the talk of the town uh, so far. And if if you want, you can uh, you know, get in contact with us. We can get you with Earl, and he is—he'd be more than happy to send it through the mail. Um, so once again, we like to thank Slim Sweets, but we need to get into our picks because we've got some great, great games uh, that we're gonna pick this week, and not necessarily great because they're on the national scale, but great because they're near and dear to our heart. And we're gonna start with none other than my alma mater, the North Carolina State Wolfpack, who are going down to Miami. Well, more specifically, Miami Gardens at Hard Rock Stadium to take on the Hurricanes, who are playing a third-string quarterback and just lost Cameron Harris, their top running back for the season. Yeah. Um, first off, I, Miami hasn't been right since they moved out of the Orange Bowl. Um, I don't know if anyone's picked up on that yet, but they need to move back there ASAP. Um, Play at Marlins Park. 
I, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. It's just, it, it's just not working. And back, back when, uh, back when they had Larry Fedora and you know uh, Ken Dorsey and all those guys, Ed Reed, uh, those amazing teams. It, you know, it just, it didn't feel right to to move them out of there. But you know, I, I don't make those decisions. Um, but any, anyway, yeah, this is going to be an interesting matchup. You know, Miami's reeling from from this season. They never really got on track after getting absolutely pimp slapped by uh, Alabama to start the year. Um, Derek King seems like he's just been uh, all hype um, since since he transferred out of a Group of Five school. Um, and the 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 big thing this week to me has to be Miami's quarterback Tyler Van Dyke on on, on his uh, on his video call this week um, in his press conference. He called out the North Carolina State defense, citing last year's. Uh, bout where NC State gave up 44 points and 620 yards of combined offense, which Tyler Van Dyke was the quarterback for that. Um, he said they can't stop us. You know, same guys from last year. Um, we we beat them up last year. It's not going to be a problem. The Wolfpack are coming into this game boasting the top scoring defense in the ACC. So you know, one of these things has to give, right? Like, yeah, they, they both can't. They both can't be right. Yeah, no, and I think Miami is going to be wrong, and I'm going to tell you why. This game has all the makings of NC State shit. A ranked NC State team that is red hot. I think what is it? A four game win streak now for the Wolfpack. Yep, so they haven't lost since Mississippi State. Taking on a team that's banged up, battered, has lost some games that they're not supposed to lose on the road. This is just the perfect storm for an NC State disappointment, and that is exactly why it is not going to happen. NC State over Miami, big on the road. You heard it here first. I don't believe in that NC State shit anymore. I'm far enough removed from my college days where I can just kind of look at things objectively and not be superstitious. I think the Wolfpack win this game 38 to 10 over the Hurricanes. Yeah, I, I got to even though I'm picking NC State, now that you've said that, I feel like this is not going to age well. So I think you may have just laid the, the fat jinx on NC State. But, um, you, you know, it, it is what it is. I've got NC State. I'm a big believer, as we discussed in our top five earlier. I believe in a team as far as I can trust their quarterback. Devin Leary's had a great season. Um, a great two-headed uh, ap- approach from the running backs. Um, the defense is playing out of its mind after losing their top safety and one of their top linebackers early in the season against Mississippi State. Um, I, I'm still not a big fan of Dave Duran. I do not believe he's the guy to to take NC State to whatever next level they want to go to. Um, we've seen him in this position with a team that has a lot of talent and him kind of underachieve with it um, back in the uh, – uh, was it 2017-18 season when uh, Bradley Chubb and that, that entire defense was there. They had uh, tied for the most draft picks that year with Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State. Um, just an absolutely great squad that ultimately didn't live up quite to the hype it should have on paper. Um, all that aside, right now the way the Wolfpack are playing, it would be really hard for me to go against them just on paper if I had no ties whatsoever or no history with, with the university. Um, cause like you said, NC state shit scars people and what, what, whether it's superstition or not, uh, it's happened way too many times to, to not acknowledge at least its existence. Um, so I think, I think they dodge it. I don't, I just don't think Miami is very good. I think Miami wants to talk a lot of trash and they're not going to be able to back it up. 
Yeah, so are we both in agreement on that one? Our second college game, we, we picked this one because it's one of those classic rivalries. Southern Cal taking on Notre Dame. Uh, I've got the Irish in this one. Uh, it's crazy, man. USC, when we were growing up, when we were first becoming football fans, they were one of the dominant programs in college football, and now they're kind of just another program. They've already fired their head coach this season. Um, Notre Dame uh, had that loss to Cincinnati, you know, a really good Cincinnati team. This game, I believe this game is in South Bend. Is that right? Yes. Um, and so that, and that's, uh, I think that just kind of helps Notre Dame's cause a little more. Yeah, I... I... So just to give you guys some background or or just a little bit of an update on this week, there are no top 25 matchups this week. So finding finding the games to pick was a little bit more about the team names than it was necessarily about the teams themselves. On paper, Notre Dame is – it, it sh- should be a pretty easy win for them against USC, just on paper. Um, both teams are coming off a of bye week, so, you know, both teams getting a little bit healthy, getting some rest. Um Notre Dame is five and one. You know that they, they've. It's really been a struggle bus to get to that point as well. Um, that one loss being to number two Cincinnati, uh, which what was a good game, but they never felt like they were in it. Um, the the big question mark for the Irish is we don't know who their quarterback's going to be. They've got Cone, they've got Pine, they've got Buckner, um, Buchner, however you pronounce it. Um, all three of those guys are you know kind of in the race. It's one of those things where we're just going to see who's the best in practice and play that guy. Um, they, they, they've got a horrendous running game. They're 125th out of 126 in the country. Um, this game is going to be about the Southern Cal offense versus the Notre Dame defense. I would take the under in this one if you're a betting person. Um, and, yeah, Luke, t- to your point, just someone who grew up watching SEC football, I, I, can, I can vividly remember Notre Dame versus USC in 2004 Reggie Bush, Matt Leinart versus Brady Quinn, Jeff Samarja. And just the pomp and circumstance around both of those programs at that time, it was the thing to be watching that week. No matter what was going on in the SEC, everyone's eyes was on Notre Dame-USC. It's it's kind of fallen by the wayside as USC has fallen off the map a little bit, and Notre Dame to a degree. Um, I I hope this one just gives us that classic feel because, you know, like I was talking about in the hot box last week, that's really what I've gotten from this season is that classic football season feel. And there would be no better way to to double down on that feeling than to have Notre Dame USC be an all time classic game this weekend. Yeah, I would I would love to see that, too. 730 p.m. kickoff on NBC for that one. I like that Notre Dame has gotten into playing some night games uh, yes. over in South Bend. That's that's really cool to see. Uh, to the NFL now, we do Sunday night football, Monday night football. Neither of these games really jump out at you. Um, I call them I call them popcorn games because these teams involved are kind of, even, kind of evenly matched in my opinion. Kind of anything could happen um, with the, the pop, you know, it's like popcorn and popping in a microwave. Um, you know, it's unpredictable all over the place. Um, so we'll start Sunday night football which is the Niners and the Colts. Uh, we agree on both our college games. We disagree on this one. I've got the Indianapolis Colts. I thought they played a really, really good game against uh, Baltimore, just ran out of gas. I mean, if it wasn't for an amazing performance by Lamar Jackson, um, they probably win that game. Um, I, I think Carson Wentz is a better quarterback than people give him credit for when he's healthy. Um, San Francisco's banged up as they have been for like the last year and a half. Um, I like the Colt here. I mean, I I could see it. the The thing that I take 
you know, you can look at the first half of that Ravens game and, you know, t- get get your viewpoint on it, in my opinion. Or you can be someone who's glass, glass half empty like myself. I look at the second half, and that that's more what I know Carson Wentz for. The first half is the exception to the rule since, you know, since that Super Bowl year. The, that first half was just m- mostly Jonathan Taylor carrying that team. And maybe he can do that, but uh, 49ers got a great defensive front seven. Um, I see them bottling up Taylor a lot more than the Ravens did. Uh, I, I I don't think this one's going to be particularly close. I, I do feel like it's closer than I would have said two weeks ago. After you know, Since that Ravens game, I do have more confidence there, um, like you're talking about. Wentz does look a little bit um, more like his successful Philadelphia self. Um, since he's come back from what almost going out with both ankles in uh, in week two, um, he he looks healthy. They got T. Y. Hilton back. That was a big boost to the offense. Um, I I don't think that that can go uh, overstated enough. Having T. Y. Hilton back, um, I, I just I just like the 49ers in this one, and I like the 49ers no matter which quarterback plays. I, I actually like the 49ers more if Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't play. But I, I'll take the 49ers either way. I think Debo Samuel's going to run circles around that Colts defense, personally. Um, but, you know, that, that, that's, that's why you play the games. We, we were both pretty sure that the Colts weren't going to stand a chance against Baltimore last week. And lo and behold, took it to overtime. So it's the NFL. This is one of those wacky years where it, it, it feels like, I would say, a good 80% of the league could win on, a, on any given night. Yeah, so let it be known we disagree on our first NFL pick. And one more thing before we move to Monday Night Football quickly. Revenge game for DeForest Buckner. That's all I'm going to say. DeForest. <laughs> I like that. So game. we're back, back to, to Monday Night Football, the, another Seahawks game, Seahawks against the Saints, another popcorn game, another game that you and I were talking about. Might be on the, kind of the secondary screen, depending on what else is on. Uh, I've got Seattle here. I think we're going to get bad Jameis this game. I kind of just have that feeling. Um no, no other real reason, and I, I don't really think we need to spend a lot of time on this game other than I think I think Seattle's kind of going to be pissed off from last week and kind of take it out on the Saints. Yeah, I, I think the Saints uh, coming off a of bye week, I think that they've had uh, – they're coming off a of bye week, right? They did not play last week. Um, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was like, I'm pretty sure I had Callaway on my team and he didn't play. <laughs> um, but – it, like you said, this is going to be one of those secondary screen games. I'm not particularly interested. Um, the one thing that I am interested in is there's a lot of uh, Tennessee volunteers that are on this Saints team. Um, Alvin Kamara and Marquez Callaway, just just to name two. They've got a couple on defense as well. So from, from, a, from a personal interest standpoint, I'll probably watch it a little bit closer because of that. Um, I'm picking the Saints because, you know, what – we're both talking about this, you know, different sides of the same coin. I'm thinking we're going to have a good Jameis game. You're thinking they're going to have a bad Jameis game, and ultimately, pretty that's pretty much what's going to decide who wins this game, in my opinion. I don't think Geno Smith's going to affect the outcome too much. Um, I don't really know if a whole lot of the Saints, I mean, the Seahawks players, are going to affect it too much. I think how well Jameis Winston plays will determine which team wins this game. Yeah, and I'm not going to count out that Seattle home field advantage either. Those fans don't just quit after a sure. couple losses. It's going to be loud at Lumen Field. Uh, it's going to be full of blue and uh, action green, as they call it. Uh, Seattle fans show up every single game. I think that's going to give the Seahawks a big advantage uh, in that my, one. So we, 
my, my fantasy teams are littered with Seahawks receivers, so I'm I'd be happy if you're correct. Um, I just don't I don't know if Geno Smith. If I had to pick between Geno Smith and Jameis Winston to win me a game, I'm taking Jameis Winston plus Alvin Kamara. Yeah, he's all reasonable points, and that brings us to our surprise indie. Uh, so I'm going to serve to you. The ball's in your court. Okay, so I did allude to it earlier in my top five. Um, as I mentioned who I had fifth in the rankings, I'm picking the Iowa State Cyclones to triumph over the Oklahoma State Cowboys this weekend. And the only reason I'm doing this, I'm going to be honest, the only reason I'm doing this is because I feel a little bit more tied to this Iowa State team after our first podcast. They were my disappointment of the year. I couldn't figure out what was wrong. They're so good on paper. What's going on with Iowa State? They've done everything that I said that they needed to in order to start to right the ship. This is the put up or shut up game for Matt Campbell. This is the chance to erase the bad that you've done in the first half of the season and right the ship, get everything back on track. Yeah, maybe, you know, playoff spot's not in it for you this year, but. Your, your pride and next year coming in um, is is on the line. I'm taking the Cyclones in a, what what's the term I coined last week? A high-scoring squeaker. I'm taking the Cyclones in a high-scoring squeaker. Give me Brock Purdy. Give me Brees Hall. Give me Matt Campbell. This is the second week in a row I'm taking Oklahoma State to lose on my surprise indie. So if it doesn't work this week, Oklahoma State's probably going to be my number one team in the country next week just because I feel like I'm going to have to uh, make it up to the Cowboys fans out there. Yeah, I, I, I like that. Going back to the Big 12, high, it's going to be a high-scoring game. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, so so the, uh, that'll be the, a fun one to keep an eye on. So coming to Luke's so, – well, well, since we weren't sharing surprise indies this week, we wanted to make sure that we didn't have the same one. And the, the the keys that we gave to each other is that I picked a power five matchup. He has picked a group of five matchups. So Luke, what is your surprise indie for this week? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead to the conference that I actually uh, cover. Um, for uh, Learfield, I'm on the Marshall Broadcast Conference USA. Um, we're not going to talk about what's going on with the realignment, but what we are going to talk about is UTSA. They're in the polls. Number 24 for the first time in program history. Best start in program history. 7-0. and And let me preface this by saying I really love what Jeff Trailers Club has been doing this year. It's so refreshing seeing a nice new program kind of come up up the ranks like that. Um, UTSA has only been a program for about a decade, maybe even less, um, playing at the Alamo Dome. Uh, which is actually a, a good place to watch a game, I've heard. Um, but UTSA is going to be away from the Alamo Dome this week. They're going to be at Joe IA Stadium in Ruston, Louisiana, to play a hungry Louisiana Tech team that has missed out on a couple of upsets this year, both on the road at Mississippi State and at North Carolina State. Lost those games by a combined eight points. They're 2-4 and four on the year. Could easily be 4-2 and two with a couple of uh, big notches in their belt. But they're going to get one this week. I really like the Bulldogs in this one. This is also going to be a high-scoring game. Uh, the Bulldogs coach, guy you might recognize, Skip Holtz, uh, has been around the block a couple of times. Uh, and I, I just wonder if UTSA can handle this, uh, this pressure of going on the road as a ranked team for the first time. And I think the answer is going to be no. I think Louisiana Tech gets them in my surprise in the upset. So you think you're picking Louisiana Tech to upset UTSA, is that correct? That is correct. 
Okay. Uh, you know, I, I like that pick. Honestly, you could have picked either one, and I would have liked the pick because, I, I as you pointed out, Louisiana Tech's record is two, they're two and four, but they've lost two heartbreakers to two really good teams that I both ranked, if I'm not – no, Mississippi State's not, but um, NC State has fought their way up to the 18th uh, ranking in the country. They were a touchdown away from knocking off the Wolfpack earlier this season. Um I, I really like UTSA's uh, resume. You know, not not a whole lot of big names, but they beat Illinois, they beat Middle Tennessee, they beat Memphis, they beat UNLV, they beat you know the the Fighting Tyson Heltons at, at Western Kentucky. Um, the their back half of their schedule is a little bit more difficult, I would say, uh, following up with uh, UTEP, Southern Miss, UAB, and North Texas. Um, for 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 a school like UTSA, that's that that's that's a tougher back end of the schedule to navigate. Um, they're going into a bye week after this Louisiana Tech game, so I, I, I'd say that they're going to have all their chips on the table. This is one of their. This is probably this is probably their most difficult game left on this schedule. Uh, if they can get past this, they have a real outside shot at going undefeated, and I think that's the perfect recipe for your trap here, Luke. I agree with you. I would take Louisiana Tech as well. So there you have it. I, man, I really like this, these couple of picks we've got. I'm excited to watch these games and see if the, they come to fruition. So those are our surprise indies of this week. And that completes Slim Sweets Indies of the Week. And before we jump into our hot box, um, uh, I just want a couple quick hitters, our new segment. Actually, we, we capitalized it on our outline today. Quick hitters uh, where we touch on kind of outside the football world, other sports going on. Uh, obviously, we'll start with the Atlanta Braves. Um, playing against the Dodgers tonight. By the time you listen to this episode, you'll know if that series is going to continue or if Atlanta uh, is going to go to the World Series. So I'm not going to focus too much on uh, the matchup. But man, like we talked about this last week, I just want to kind of bring back a little bit. Like Braves still playing awesome baseball. Yeah, and they're 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 doing it with uh you know with the skeleton crew in some places. You know, right right as the series started, um, Solaire gets ruled out with COVID. He's at the at the recording time of recording of this podcast, he has just been declared um, eligible by the uh, Major League Baseball uh, health officials or whatever. So he's back in the lineup replacing Christian Pache, um, or at least on the roster. He's not in the lineup tonight yet. But ha- have having that game that that game four, you know where you, you're going to start Huascar, uh, you know, uh, and. Out of left field, out of nowhere, he has some shoulder inflammation, and you're going to go out and pitch Jesse Chavez, guy who's been a, a middle reliever, an absolute stud for us when we've needed him, but he comes out to start the game. Um, and the Braves never looked like they were in trouble losing that game. They ultimately won 9-2. to two. Um, it, It's been the mantra of this team of just find a way. And this is the time of the year where you throw what happened in the regular season out. It doesn't matter if they won 88 games or 120 games doesn't matter anymore all you have to do is win the next one the Braves are one of the better teams left in this field um at just winning no matter what the circumstance is I don't I don't know how they how they forecast against the Red Sox or the Astros particularly just because I'm not quite sure what the Braves are going to do with the DH um but having Solaire back that opens up the possibility of putting Jock at DH having Solaire and uh Rosario in the field with Duvall um, and just letting Jock do what Jock does, you know, uh, c- continue Jocktober. Um, pitching's been great. As we sit right now, we just went to the uh, the third inning break. Uh, Dodgers are up 4-2 in game five. Atlanta has a 3-1 lead. Um, and a- as a Braves fan, 
I'm just so pleased with the way these guys have played. I'm so pleased with the way the management went out and made some, you know, aggressive but not rambunctious moves at the deadline to get uh, a, a an entirely new outfield. Um, what we've kept the pitching staff together, just running with our trio of of Morton, Freed, and Anderson, mixing in, you know, Tukey if he's healthy, Enoa if he's healthy, Drew Smiley if he's healthy, and they, they really just found a way to battle and and. and above all else, get to the postseason. And they've looked like the better team in both of their series, in my opinion. What what do you, what do you say about what the Braves have done so far? Really? Nothing that you couldn't say. Um, I think the pitching has been the key. Uh, the, you're going up against a team like the Dodgers, which has guys like Walker Bueller and, and Max Scherzer. And, you know, you're, you're up 3-1 in the series, and you don't do that without good pitching. I mean, the hitting yep. kind of speaks for itself. Uh, but I think, especially the Braves bullpen. I think I, I might have talked about him last week, but Will Smith is a guy who deserves a lot of a lot of recognition because he's maligned a little bit this postseason and and, and this year. Um, but he's really really come to play when the Braves have needed him to. Yeah, in, in this postseason, he has been uh, re- pretty much flawless. I think he's allowed a base runner or two, but he has been as close to flawless as you can get. And you know his save numbers are really high, but. He he did have a very very rocky regular season. Um, you know, I think he finished three and seven or something on the season as far as his record goes, um, which is not that that that's not what you want from your closer. Um, you you don't want him to a be deciding ten games but losing seven of those. Um, but it, it, just just like everybody else on this team, man, and it's just it, it's been the mantra it seems like of the Braves for the last couple of years where that. That they just grit it out, you know. One year they're they're making comebacks left and right um, in, in late innings, and you know this year they're just finding ways to win. What whether it's on the base pass, whether it's with defense, um, you know, Austin Riley, you know, get, get, getting contribution from guys that you wouldn't have expected to a year ago. Um, big, big kudos to 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 the Braves. I've I've not been a Snit fan uh, for most of the time he's been here, just because of some of his decisions, but. Um, He's proving he's proving me and most of Atlanta wrong right now. He's making great managerial decisions, uh, get, keeping these guys motivated. He never panics. He never seems doom and gloom, and that goes a long way with the mentality of a team feeling like they can win, especially in an environment like Los Angeles where they beat us last year, won the last three games, and you know that's just got to be in the back of the mind of a lot of Braves t- uh, players. And it just seems like they've scooted right past that. Yeah, no doubt about it, and. Like we said, you'll know if the, they're going to go to the World Series or they're going to have to play at least one more game against Los Angeles by the time uh, you listen to this episode. Uh, our next quick hitter before we enter the hot box, NBA season underway this week. Um, I'm a big Washington Wizards fan. Our, our friend Armand Kuchecki, also a big Wizards fan. He and I have uh, already had some banter back and forth over text about uh, about how the Wizards are going to do this year. I really hope they can build off of last season. Obviously, Russell Westbrook not there anymore. He's across the country in Los Angeles. Um, the eight seed is, you know, it's not really a playoff team. You go and you're the sacrificial lamb to the one seed. I'd really like to see the Wizards get up to, you know, up to that six, four, five, you know, maybe even better. It's going to take a lot of luck and some help along the way to get there. Uh, but I'm, I'm excited to get back into it. I, I, I used to really enjoy watching the Wizards play when I was a kid on, on Comcast Sportsnet uh, with Steve Buckhans and Phil Chenier on the call. Um, so I, I, I'm trying to, this is kind this is kind of me trying to make a point 
uh, to myself to, to follow the Wizards closer this year. But from a league perspective, I'm really excited to see if this Phoenix Suns can keep things up from last year. Um, no pun intended. They got red hot uh, in the playoffs. Devin Booker, uh, one of the best players in the league, uh, emerging, you know, bringing, emerging as one of the best players in the league, uh, I should say. Um, had some issues with DeAndre Ayton's contract extension, but they did get Mikhail Bridges extended, who's a great rebounder and a great defender. Um, so I don't know who the favorite is in the West this year, uh, but I would really like to see the Phoenix Suns in the mix again. Yeah, the the, the West is going to be a toss-up. I, I think, you know, I would imagine both of us probably picking Brooklyn or Milwaukee to take the East this year. Just one of those two teams, whichever one's more healthy, probably down the stretch. Um in the West, you've got a whole slew of teams that could win. You've got the Nuggets, you've got the Suns, you've got the Warriors, you've got the Clippers, you've got um uh oh man, I'm I'm forgetting uh the Suns, the Suns. Um, you know, there's five, six, seven teams that I could I, I could look at you right now and say, Yeah, they got a shot to be in the finals at the end of the year. And that's gonna make for some great West Coast basketball. It's hard for a lot of folks to watch because some of that stuff doesn't start till ten o'clock. Like uh, Warriors Clippers tonight doesn't start till ten. Um, me personally, uh, I, I'm a I'm a Golden State fan. I'm not one of the bandwagon Golden State folks. I like Golden State because of Clay Thompson, because of his last name. That's really what kind of dra- you know dragged me in. But also kind of our geographic uh, relationship or you know kind of connection to Steph Curry and the Currys. Um, so I've always just leaned towards the Warriors. They've always been fun to watch, too. Um, I, I'm really interested to see what they do this year. They, they've looked good out, out of the gate so far. They ended the season really well. Steph Curry was playing MVP-level basketball at the end of the season last year, um, being triple-teamed every time he came across the half-court line, still dropping 50 a night. Just what an amazing player he is. And uh, like I said, as a Clay Thompson fan, I have been weeping at heart the last two years, not being able to watch this guy on the court. I hope he comes back and is able to stay healthy this year because basketball is so much more interesting for me when Clay Thompson is playing. Um, but that team as a whole is fun to watch, and Western Conference basketball as a whole is going to be really fun. I couldn't tell you who I would pick. Um, you know, if, if all things stay equal and everyone stays healthy, I think Denver's the best team in the in the West. Um, the, the, the Joker is no joke. Um, Murray is crazy. They added Gordon at the deadline last year. Um, that team is stacked top to bottom. If they can stay healthy, I think Denver takes it, but that's a humongous if that they have not been able to overcome since Jokic has been there. Yeah, I, I, I love Slavic basketball players. I always yeah. have. I was a big Vladi Divac fan. I have a oh, Drazen yeah. Petrovic jersey from his club in Croatia. So I'm a big Jokic fan. I'm a big Luka fan. I love to see all those guys ball out. Um, so I'm, I'm glad we got to touch a little bit on the NBA with that, with that coming up. Um, I, I'm going to try to be into a little more into it this year. I'm obviously a big college basketball fan. Um, but uh, hey, really, really. Just, just for the listeners, too, you know, th- th- this is what we've, you know, kind of started off at this podcast is football exclusive but if you guys would like to hear us talk more about these other sports we certainly can work a quick hitters in here or we can do a segment on a sport you want to hear um typically we're, we're going to leave it up to whatever's kind of hot at the moment but you know if you like our nba talk you like our baseball talk please let us know we're, we're happy to work stuff in that you guys like to hear us talk about as well yeah no doubt about it but one thing that is non-negotiable about this show alex is our final segment. That happens all the time. We will not be altering that. But before we get to it, 
The mission of Slim Sweets, our friend of the program, is to produce top quality homemade bakery products in an environment that is safe, clean, and friendly for our community. Call Earl at 704-294-4957 or visit Slim Sweets on Facebook or Instagram. And Earl primarily bakes his goods in an oven, and that leads us to our signature segment at the end, The Hot Box, where we kind of sound off on things that are bothering us about sports this week. And, I mean, I can't think of a better segue than that, to be honest. I'm just going to pat myself on the back again. Yeah, I mean, uh, oven oven to the hot box, you know. that's. Are we going to have an Easy Bake Oven segment coming up here soon? I don't know. Maybe I might have to get on the get on the sponsorship trail a, a, a little bit. Get a what is that Fisher Price that uh <laughs> that owns that? Um, but in any case, I, I think, went I think Earl's spot. more the expert in that arena, so we might have to <laughs> consult with Earl. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, but <laughs> I went first last time, so I'm going to let you lead off this time. Alex Thompson, you are a hot box. Thank you, Luke. And uh, you know, I, I had a positive one last week, and we said I don't know if I'm ever going to have a positive one again. Well. The unthinkable happened over the weekend, and I have another positive hotbox, folks. Another positive hotbox. And it has to do with our friend, Matty Ice. Not, not Matt Ryan. Matthew Wright, the kicker for the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jags and Matthew Wright have me pumped up once again. I was pumped last week for college football, and now I'm pumped up for this Jags team following their win in London over the Finns this past weekend. The Jags, losers of 20 consecutive games. You have to almost try to be that bad to win 20 in a row without accidentally winning one against the Texans somewhere. You lost them all. This Jags team made play after play in the fourth quarter, down the stretch, looked like a veteran-led team. They were finding their rhythm. You know, they've had spurts here and there. They've had glimpses here or there this season that they just have not put together or just could not have it towards the end of the game for one reason or the other. That, and you can see the potential. Now, I understand it's the Dolphins. The Dolphins now have the same record. They've won one game this year. We've won one game this year, and it was against them. I, I, I'm not blind to that. I know that we'd beat a very mediocre team, if you could even call them mediocre. But... After all the distractions this team has gone through, from their head coach doing God knows what out and about, all of the losing, all of the media casting this concern over Trevor Lawrence for the first six weeks, he's overrated. Keyshawn Johnson running his mouth about stuff he has no idea about. The ineptitude from this coaching staff up to this point in regards to personnel and their game plan. This team pulled together and squeaked one out, which is something we've not been able to say for a year and a half of NFL football. All of this is behind the arm and the football IQ of Trevor Lawrence, the grittiness of this patchwork defense, and ultimately, ultimately, the clutch gene out of nowhere from newly activated the day before the game, kicker Matthew Wright. The Jags went into this game as the only team in NFL history to never make a field goal through five games. They were 0 for 4, missing PATs left and right. They cut Josh Lambeau, call up Matthew Wright, sign him to the active squad the day before London. And this guy comes in, nails 250 yarders, 50 plus yarders, including the game winner. I'm going on record. You've heard it here, October 21st, 2021. 
the Jaguars will not lose their next 20 games. And that's what I call improvement. The Jags are slowly but surely starting to put this together. And you can see glimpses in every single game. They look better by the day. It might not be today, might not be tomorrow, but someday soon, the Jags will be an opponent on the schedule that you cannot chalk up as an easy win. And it's been at least four years since I've been able to say that, and that was really only for that one year of Saxonville. So, yes, I'm fired up for this team after one win because it's been so long. Gardner Minshew was the quarterback the last time that happened. Deshaun Watson was the starting quarterback for the Texans the last time that happened. And the guys on this team have just done a great job blocking out all the noise from their coach, from everything I mentioned earlier. There's so much more to come from this squad. The Jags have the most cap room in the NFL this offseason. Couple that with the pieces they have on offense with LaVisca Chenault, uh, James Robinson, Trevor Lawrence, Walker Little at, uh, at left tackle, some good, great guys on defense, brought in Shaq Griffin. The future is shining bright in Jacksonville, and that is my hot box. You know, I'm just, I, I didn't get to see the game because I was driving, uh, but I was, just, I was just happy that you got to have a victory Monday, dude. Like, everyone deserves some victory Mondays, no matter how bad their teams are, except Cowboys fans. Fuck them. Uh, but, I, I, you dude. know, I really like that you take that approach with it because there are so many negative fans that, like, won't even watch the games if their teams are a certain amount of games under 500. Uh, but, like, you know, you and I, like, we, our teams aren't very good, but, like, we live for those four, five, six games a year that we squeak out and can wake up on Monday morning, put our jerseys on, go out, and feel proud that we are fans of this team. Yeah, man, and I, I chose the Jaguars. I'm a Peyton Manning fan, first and foremost. That's who I followed in this league. The Colts, Broncos were my teams um, up until Peyton retired. And when Peyton retired, I don't know what it was. I was playing Daily Fantasy. Alan Hearns won me, like, seven Daily Fantasy matchups in a row. He, caught, he just went on this nasty streak in the middle of the season, and I said... Blake Bortles, Alan Hearns, Alan Robinson, the next dynasty for the Jaguars. I got to get me some of that. Boy, was I wrong on that, but I'm glad that I jumped on because it has been such a fun ride. The Jacksonville fans are great. They're not calling for someone's head all the time. They support the players. They support their team. Whether or not they actually go to the game is a different thing, but their community is tied together. It's such a great fan base to be a part of. Um, I've converted some friends over to being a Jaguars, uh, into the Jaguars fan base, which has been great. And I'm glad we did that because we all got in on the ground floor before Trevor Lawrence was here, before Saxonville. And what we're going to reap the benefits for years to come, being able to say we're part of this original, you know, Jaguar supporting group. Um, just so happy to see those guys finally get a win. You know, you hate to see anybody lose that much unless they're the Cowboys. Um, and it, it's, it's just great to see w what happened in the locker room. I feel like that's just a huge weight off of everyone's shoulders. And with this new staff, this new system, even the offensive play calling is getting better. Uh, the, they're feeling out who their players are, what plays to call. It's just, I, I, I feel very optimistic, honestly, about the future of the Jaguars. So thank you guys for giving me my chance in the hot box to express my passion, my burning flame for the Jaguars this week. But without further ado, Luke Nadkarni, you are in the hot box. And, I, and I'm sweating already, man. Uh, I love baseball. 
I it's it to me it is the most pure sport. You know, it's just a child's game uh, that people fall in love with, and and some players are just you know a very few, a very select, fortunate enough to make millions of dollars to play that game. I love the base. I love baseball players. I hate baseball fans. I really do. Uh, and it's just gotten so much worse over the last few years. Um, you know, I used to think that hockey fans were bad about gatekeeping their sport, uh, but they pale in comparison uh, to baseball fans. Nowadays, you can't be a baseball fan unless you bitch about the umpire strike zone. You can't be a baseball fan unless you second guess every decision your manager makes. You can't be a baseball fan unless you have just an overall negative attitude toward Major League Baseball. And I know Rob Manfred isn't a good commissioner, and he's done a lot of shitty things, especially toward the minor leagues that have alienated a lot of people. Uh, but you're ultimately biting the hand that feeds you. You know, how, how much do you really like watching baseball if you're just going to complain about the strike zone and complain about replay, which, you know, there's merit to doing that. Uh, but... Just the constant negativity and people kind of forgetting that they're watching a game. You know, they're watching a game that they fell in love with as kids, you know, throwing the ball in the yard with their dad or playing on a Little League team and getting ice cream after the game uh, after a big win. Uh, or, you know, pretending you're, you're Chipper Jones and trying to switch hit, even though it's a, a fool's errand to bat opposite-handed. You know, you go on Twitter and you see up scorecards and just Im immediate negative reaction to pretty much anything that happens uh, in baseball. And that's because of the fans. Fans think they know better than everyone else. And I've ranted about this before on the hot box, but this is baseball specific. And it just seems so much worse than it does in any other sport, especially here during the postseason. Like, and I, I think Major League Baseball can change up the way they assign umpires for the postseason. But that doesn't matter, ultimately, because they know what they're doing more than you sitting on the couch watching the game. And it's not for you to decide what kind of baseball fan I am if I'm like, hey, let's stop complaining about the umpires for one game and just watch. You know, Atlanta's in the middle of a great playoff run that we haven't seen them make in, you know, last year notwithstanding, in like two decades. I mean, they haven't played in the World Series since 1999. Why do you focus on the negative when you could be focusing on the positive, which is like, wow, the Braves are good again. Or, you know, if you're an Astros fan, the Astros are really good. Or if you're a Red Sox fan, you know, the Red Sox are back after a couple of years of, you know, purgatory. Why does it always have to be negative? Yeah, Luke, I, I, I absolutely agree with you. And b baseball is the worst sport about it. It's that a lot of the blue hairs in the baseball world, you know, the folks that go to football games and ask people to sit down in front of them, that's that that's the collective baseball community. The the the, the part that I that I hate the most about it, all of your points are really good. The thing I hate the most is people who um who are disgraced by the bat flip. And the bat flip has really come out uh prominently the last couple of years. Uh Fernando Tatis's uh, and, and Ronald Acuna Jr. have both done a good job of making sure people stay nice and pissed off about that. Um, it's like you said, it's a game. These guys are playing a game. It's supposed to be entertaining. And you want to know the best way to stop someone from doing a bat flip? Strike them out. Yeah, I mean, what did Miami say in the the original The You documentary? Like, you don't want us dancing? Keep us out of the end zone. 
exactly the same thing. This is professional sports. It, exactly. They're, they're, they're paid just like your players are. You know, that they're, they're paid to do their job. I'm Now, I, I understand folks not wanting it to go to the level of, like, just being unsportsmanlike and just being a showboating asshole. Like, that, that there is a line there. But to celebrate hitting a home run, I mean, you should be able to do that. Well, yeah, and you should be able to, like, I should be able to watch a baseball game with people without them saying, like, oh, you didn't know that, or, you know, you didn't know that, or, yeah. oh, you think that was a good call? What kind of fan are you? You know, I, I was once, I remember being at a hockey game, and someone someone was like, you can't call a timeout after icing. You know that, right? And I was like, yeah, I knew that. Like, you don't need to t- you know, reinforce that just because I'm wearing the opposite team's colors. Like, and and it's you know and not to get off track up from baseball, but I've seen a lot of that in baseball. You know, I'm one of the first to defend umpires because I have stepped behind the plate and umpired the game, not at a high level, not for a long time, but I've done it. And I hear 99% of people who have do not have the experience thinking they know the game better than guys who have done it 25, 30 years, and telling me to go fuck myself when I speak up on behalf of you know the unpopular opinion. Yeah, that, that strike zone stuff is very, uh, 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 my opinion almost changes on it daily, but um, this this umpire in this Dodger series, a lot of people have had a problem with him. But me personally, he's probably been my favorite umpire I've watched all year. And yes, he calls some strikes low. Yes, he calls some strikes on the outside. But the one thing that matters the most, I don't care what your strike zone is, Call it consistently and call it for both teams. And that is what he has done. He has given the low strike to both teams. He has given the outside strike to both teams. And that makes baseball fun. When there's a loose strike zone and it's the same strike zone for both teams, baseball is incredible to watch. And that th- this series has been incredible to watch. And props to this umpire behind the plate for this Los Angeles-Atlanta uh, series because he he has made this enjoyable for me to watch and not – you know, one of those things where I just feel like one of these teams is getting screwed by getting some some really off-color, inconsistent calls. This guy has been consistent with his zone, and it, that's what baseball needs. We don't need an automatic strike zone. We need humans who can do this job consistently at this level. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I, I mean, I if we got started on robot umpires, this show would go on for another hour. So I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> that's another. Uh, I still, talks. I still love, I still love baseball. Let's just all chill out a little bit and enjoy it. Yeah, it's it's sports. Can, can, can we just leave the bloodbath for election season and just enjoy sports together? Uh, no, let's not, because the, my home state of Virginia has their governor election coming up, and I, I'm tired of hearing about it already, and I don't even see the political ads. So let's uh, let's not even open that can of worms either. <laughs> let, let's, let's just leave it in politics. Let's just enjoy sports. Le- leave all that stuff in politics. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, that was my hot box, and... That was episode four of The Right Hash. Alex, thanks a lot for joining me again. It was a busy week uh, for both of us. Uh, it's going to be a much busier uh, we- busier weeks coming up as I start with uh, my basketball radio duties and continue my football duties. But we are going to continue bringing you The Right Hash. Uh, and once again, as Alex said, uh, if you have any suggestions for topics, please let us know uh, because we are a show for the people and we want to talk about what you guys want to hear. And we can talk about it all for as long as you want as well as i'm sure all of you have figured out by now right we uh we 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 tried to time this out and uh, write down a timing outline uh but as you know as as it happens that kind of went by the wayside but that's a good thing (laughs) because 
that's what people want to hear. So Alex, once again, uh, thanks a lot for uh, joining me this evening. Uh, and thank you, the listener, uh, for tuning in uh, to episode four of The Right Hash. For my partner, Alex Thompson, my name is Luke Ned Carney. Thank you very much. And everyone, have a good one. We'll see you next time. Oh, what's he going to do? You want to get down? Tell me. Oh, what's he going to do? Do you want to get out? Oh, what's he going to do? You want to get out?